0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Praise God. Let's give God that hand clap of praise because he's worthy, he's worthy, he's worthy. So glad to be here today. Thank you, guests, for coming this thing here, there you go. Glad to see you, Brother Fears. How you doing? <laughs> oh Lord, if you'll turn with me to Matthew, Matthew 25, starting with verse 5, i want to take this moment to give my pastor and sister Boyd honor for everything they've done. They've always been a rock in my life and I'm so thankful for them in my life and especially the last couple of years, Brother Boyd's really helped me and Directed me and I I sure need it and I thank you for being a, such a good friend and a great pastor. I love them dearly. Matthew 25, starting with verse 5. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go you out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise give us your oil for our lamps are gone out but the wise answered saying not so lest there be not enough for us and you but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves And, and while they went to buy the bridegroom came and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut. I'm going to take my title from this passage of scripture here the bridegroom cometh. Will you bow your heads this morning, Lord? We thank you and we praise you, God, for the opportunity to be in your house today to hear from you, to worship you and lift you, God, exalt you, Lord. I ask you to anoint me and lead me in this, Lord, and let the Holy Ghost just minister to us and flow in this house today. We praise you in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated. The bridegroom cometh. The disciples were all Galileans. So they were familiar with this uh, parable that Jesus told them about the ten virgins. Because in ancient Galilee, they had a tradition with marriage. The father of the groom would select the bride for the son. The bride would have to consent just as we have to consent to Jesus, so does the bride have to consent to this. They would meet in the courtyard so there would be witnesses of this commitment and the father of the groom would write up a contract. It was called a betrothal or an engagement. It was a legally binding covenant contract that showed the couple was officially married but were not able to, to share the benefits of marriage until the marriage ceremony which took place a year later. Next, the bridegroom would offer would, after the bride would offer the bride a drink from a cup of wine, offering it to her. She then had the opportunity to accept it or reject it. If she, if she rejected or accepted it by taking the cup, she would be sealing the covenant. At this time, the bridegroom would tell his bride, I shall not drink from the fruit of the vine until I drink it with you again in my Father's house. This, this passage is referenced in the, in the Passover meal in 26. Matthew 26 and 29 at this time the bridegroom would return to his father's house and begin to build a room onto the house and this would be their dwelling place the bride would be busy with her bridesmaids purchasing items and to make her dress and once the year was approaching the bride and the bridesmaids had to always be dressed and ready for the bridegroom's arrival, they never knew when he was coming. The bridegroom knew not the day nor the hour the wedding would take place, nor did the bride. Only the father of the bridegroom knew when that day would be. Once the father of the groom decided the wedding chamber was complete, he would signal to his son, go get your bride. This would always happen during the night. And this is a crucial part right here. The bridegroom would have a chauffeur or horn that he would blow like a trumpet. This is is why the bridesmaid had to be sure that they had their lamps trimmed and full of oil to light their way to awake the the bride and lead their way back to the wedding chamber. The bridegroom would arrive to the bride and walk her over to a chair or a litter, and she would be lifted and carried to the wedding chamber. After they were inside the chamber... The door was shut, and all who were there was shut out. May I remind you of the days of Noah in Genesis 7 and 16, and they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. As the waters began to rise, the people began to realize that they, they missed what Noah was preaching. And if they could just have one more sermon... One more text from him. They would have entered with him. But the screams didn't bother God. It was over. He no longer heard the cries, and the door remained shut. I'm here to tell you today that the ten virgins were all believers. They all believed that the bridegroom was coming. The only difference between them was the possession of the oil. They didn't have, the, uh, the five foolish didn't have no oil. You see, it's not about the lamps. It's about the oil. The oil will light your way to the wedding chamber. It's the oil that brings redemption and truth. It'll keep your marriage sacred. It'll keep you in the middle of the storm. It'll wash away bitterness and brokenness and loneliness, confusion, doubt, hopelessness, and restlessness, and anxiety. It's not about the lamps. It's about the oil. It's not who's called, but who's chosen. I want to be chosen. Jesus warned that he would come like a thief in the night. But not to those who are ready. We, if you got the oil, it's not going to be a surprise. Hallelujah. Praise God. Matthew 24, 36 and 37. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. The bridegroom cometh. Jesus is is coming. How do I get the all? How do I get the all? Peter told him on the day of Pentecost, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin and ye shall, not you can, not if you want to, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the all. That's how we make it to the other side. Hallelujah. I want the all. I want the all. I want to be covered by the blood of the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. That's how the children of Israel got out of the land of Egypt. It was the blood. That's the all in the New Testament. The blood became the all. The all is the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Praise God. Don't you want the all? Hallelujah stand to your feet right now and just start praising God just start praising his mighty name, hallelujah the Holy Ghost is moving and ministering to us right now don't leave here like you came, don't leave here like you came oh God he'll clothe you and put you in your right mind hallelujah, hallelujah, I want to know him I want to know him Praise God. Praise God. Just continue to worship Him and praise Him right now. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our praise. Thank you, Jesus. Praise
2: the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many agree we serve a mighty God? Hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. Thankful for the power of the Holy Ghost. I am thankful for the power of the Holy Ghost, his spirit, his abiding presence. Amen. No longer written on tables of stone. Aren't you thankful that his word abides within, written on the flesh? Amen. Our heart, I'm thankful for that today and what a privilege it is to feel the presence of the Lord. Amen. I'm thankful for his um, keeping power. I'm thankful that he's brought us together again. Amen, I'm looking forward to what the Spirit of the Lord will ultimately do in conclusion in this service today. Our text today is coming from the book of Matthew chapter five and I'm gonna read one verse, verse number nine. The Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. Amen, the reward of the peacemaker, the gift of the peacemaker the title of the peacemaker is they shall be called the children of God amen God bless you and thank you for standing and 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 you can be seated but thank you for your connection to the service so far as Pentecostals we often talk about the great outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost and one of the things that we rightfully underline is the important portion of verse number one where the passage of scripture says, for they were all with one accord in one place. There was something about this congregation, this group of believers that had assembled themselves in this upper room at the direction of the Lord. Amen, they were together together. Of course, this aspect of unity is an intricate part of the flowing and the moving and the outpouring of the spirit and the presence of God. God can do so much in the presence of unity. When people come together, when our minds are connected and our hearts are connected and when our goals are connected, the spirit of the Lord is free to move and operate However, the spirit of unity or that particular spirit of unity was destined to be tried as the church began to grow. The more people that were added to the New Testament church, the greater the chances became of there being a spirit of disunity. Now, you can read about this particular spirit of disunity that we're going to center our thoughts on today in the book of Acts chapter 15. And I'm not implying at all that these factions did not have a point because what they were uh, in quarrel over was something they passionately held in their heart. However, it was in large part tradition and it was a new dispensation and some were unwilling to let go of that. But I can tell you that the more people that are added to the church and that, that rises the odds of conflict, and that is no different today because we're still dealing with the human element that makes up the church. And so where you have people gathered, there's always the potential for conflict. However, ever, every struggle in life and every conflict in life needs someone that has an abiding spirit of peace. Amen, I wanna talk today about the power of peacemakers. I'm thankful for peacemakers. I wanna be clear this morning right at the outset that I am not implying, I'm not referring to peace at any cost because when we develop the mindset that we're gonna have to have peace at any cost, that is sure to lead us down an alley of compromise, unfortunate compromise. But where you have people gathered together, there's always the potential for conflict. But thankfully, God has people that have the gift of being a peacemaker. And so for this particular conflict of Acts 15, the man that had the spirit of being a peacemaker was a man named James. And God was going to use him specifically, powerfully, to unite and to bring together these parties and to seek for some logical common ground. James had become an important, and I would even dare say an influential leader of the New Testament church, and that's why his voice mattered, and that's why his opinion mattered, and that's why his stand mattered. He would be a contributor to the New Testament with an epistle that even would bear his name. And so James calls upon the church to live in peace. In James 3 and 18 He writes, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. I I believe today that there are people that have the the power and a gift of just bringing peace to less than peaceful situations. Perhaps the best approach to becoming a peacemaker is to identify the, the enemies of peace and the things that come against peace. Now, I believe that, uh, of course, this could be a lot longer list, but at the core, if we could just sort of boil this down to just some very fundamental things, I believe that when you have people that are unrestrained and they just feel the the liberty to just speak whatever is on their mind, you have already uh, one ingredient for conflict. And when you have people that are immature, whether that is Physically or spiritually, they are often the source of conflict and dissension. People that have unrestrained, and unbridled tongue, they speak whatever comes to their mind. That is a very dangerous thing to do, a very dangerous individual, amen. And so we have to understand that, that everybody in life, we're all made up of the same fleshly factors. We're all made up of the same fabric. And so all people are amid us, in us, is the, is the tendency to have conflict. Amen. Even among people that are children of God, even among people that are filled with his spirit and walk in the, in according to the statutes of his word, we have a treasure, one writer said, but it is in an earthen vessel. It is subject to error. It is subject to flaw. The most dangerous weapon of all weapons is pointed out by James and his epistle, and he just simply boiled it down to this. It is the tongue. We could think it would be many, many other things that would pose the greatest threat or the greatest danger to the kingdom or to the work of God, but James said, no, that's not what it is. It is the tongue, and so the challenge of controlling our tongue begins with the tongue. I could dare say this morning that in this room, there are those that have said things that in time you regretted. There were those that have had uttered words that the next day you just wish every fiber of your soul that you could just take that back. But I also believe that there are those among us today that have said things when those words were right about here. We would, to the good Lord, we could have just grabbed them and pulled them back out of the atmosphere and out of the ear of the hearer and the heart of the the recipient, but it is just not so. Amen. I say so the challenge of the tongue begins with the tongue. It is identified by James unequivocally. He makes no bones about it. He doesn't even choose his words carefully. Amen. He said it is the unruliest member of the body. If you think your foot is something, oh, it's not to be compared with the tongue. If you think your mind is something, it is not to be compared with the tongue. James said that the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil and full of deadly poison. And then he likened the tongue to various objects. And it was going to be an object lesson for the reader. Amen. Objects that had significant influence. Objects that almost anyone could recognize and associate. And so he began with a horse. He said they are large animals. They're powerful animals, and they could and can be unruly. But once they are trained, he said, you can guide the power of that horse with just one bit in its mouth. Another example he used was that of ships or water vessels. Though they are propelled by the wind in their sail and the waves in the ocean of which they set, they are steered by a tiny rudder that is controlled with just one person and one hand at the helm. It is a great vessel, but it can be steered with the smallest of objects. The tongue is a small member, but oh, what great, power it has, the power of the tongue. The tongue has the power to ignite a raging wildfire. Finally, James said that it would be easier to tame the wildest of beast than it would be to tame the tongue. And that's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our heart. I can't just depend on my will. I can't depend on my nature. I can't depend on who I am as a man, who you may be As a lady, we can't depend on that. I've got to have the power of the Holy Ghost. I've got to have the power of his spirit within. I've got to have the power of the oil this man was talking about a moment ago. I've got to have the power of that light in my life. I just can't can't determine all of my future based on my ability and my strength to to restrain myself. Amen, I need not to just rely on him one time, but I need to rely on the Lord every day. Amen, if I am gonna ever have to, any hope of controlling my tongue then I need to lay myself at an altar every day and say Lord I need you to help me I need you to lead me I need you to guide me I need you to take me by the right hand I need you to walk with me every step that I go I need you to make crooked places straight that's what you said you would do I need you to tear down bars of gates of brass and gates of iron that's what you promised you would do I need you to go with me today I need you to go with me today. Amen. Perhaps one of the reasons that the tongue was chosen as the most important member to be surrendered to God's control when the Holy Spirit comes into the heart and the life of a believer. Amen. I don't think that's a random thing. Amen. But the Lord, James said, no man can tongue. No man can tame the tongue. No man can do with it. It is an unruly member. Amen. But when our tongue is yielded to God, when the Spirit of the Lord moves in our heart and we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, The scripture says that that infilling is going to be evidenced by speaking in an unknown tongue or another tongue. Amen. My tongue is going to yield itself. That one unruly thing is going to yield itself to the spirit of God. Amen. We will know that we have received the gift of the Holy Ghost as initial evidence. Amen. I believe it goes beyond that, of course. Amen, that's initial evidence of the Holy Ghost. But I believe there's going to be fruit of the Holy Ghost, fruit of the Spirit. Amen, that's going to manifest itself, it's manifest itself in our life. And so the control of the tongue is very, very vital if we are going to be a peacemaker. In the midst of crisis, words must be chosen carefully. One word can have the power to ignite anger. One word can have the power to ignite a spirit of resentment. But at the same time, a well chosen word can disarm that spirit of hatred and disarm that spirit of resentment and bring with it a spirit of reconciliation. In the book of Proverbs, chapter twenty-one and verse twenty-three, the wise man Solomon penned these words. He said, "Whoso keepeth his mouth and his and his tongue, keepeth his soul from trouble." Amen. I'm just going to tell you there have been times that I let my tongue overload me. Amen there have been some times I brought trouble to my soul because I said something out of time said something out of season I said something that should not have been said help us oh Lord that's why David had the wherewithal to pray this prayer he said oh Lord set a watch amen set a watch before my mouth and keep the door of my lips amen amen You know, where there's a guard at the door, you gotta ask permission to go in. And you gotta ask permission to go out. And so David is saying, set a guard at my lips. Let me ask permission for these words to leave before I just spout them off. Now, I believe it is right to speak the truth, but Paul admonished us that we must speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. He admonished us to speak that truth in love. I believe that perhaps we have all, I may be painting with a pretty broad brush here this morning, but I feel a liberty to do so. I I believe that we have all had people that loved us, that had to speak to us words of truth that wounded, words of truth that bruised us. Because you know, every day, we're not all of that in a bag of chips. Believe it or not every day the press reports are not correct <laughs> we were we were all somewhere preaching one time I don't even remember when or where I just remember this event and during the message I had shared a few funny stories and people were laughing and And hopefully it wasn't just a comedy show, but it shared just a few stories. And so when the service was over, we were leaving, and there were people greeting us in the in the foyer. And so my wife was and I were walking out, and there was someone standing there, and and they just said, all giddy, said he just must be a blast to live with. (laughs) She was so kind, (laughs) because she could have said, pull up a chair. (laughs) <laughs> let's just talk a little while she was so kind amen sometimes we just need somebody to speak into our life words that are truth let them be spoken in love a surgeon is, if, if you have any type of surgery there is no doubt there is going to be a, a wound and then there will be bruising to follow and there will be scars to follow but we have got to understand the intention of the surgeon. They were not a bank robber. They were not trying to hold you hostage. They were not trying to steal anything. They were trying to help you. And with great care they used an instrument that could have taken your life. With great care they used an instrument that could have that could have ruined your life moving forward if it didn't take your life. But with great care they opened a wound. Or they opened and made an incision to get into the body to fix what was wrong. And with great care they with sutures they sewed that up as well as possible. With great care they wrote prescriptions that would help us to heal but you see there's always going to be the knowledge of that surgery there'll always be a scar of that surgery but we got to understand the man or the woman that did this had given themselves the years of study and years of practice and they did this because they wanted me to live and not die hallelujah I want to tell you the same with words sometimes we need somebody to speak the truth to us don't put it on the end of a sword and run it through us speak it to me in love but dear Lord don't let me be lost hallelujah preach the word unfettered preach the word without any restraint without any fear without any favor preach the word praise God Paul admonished the church in Ephesus he said that we be no more children you got to grow up you got to mature he said you need to speak the truth in love and that we should grow up in him all things in Christ which is the head amen we, we, we to be a body fitly joined together and that the body would edify itself in love the very essence of humanity at the very core at the very heart of humanity we are made up of emotions and feelings even those who deny they have no feelings even those who proclaim and boast that they are not emotional we are emotional men and women humanity is made with emotion and because of those emotions we can vacillate from one side of the spectrum to the other in the height of conflict hear me today everybody has the capacity to say things that we would later regret however as Holy Ghost filled and spirit led children of God our response ought to always be governed by purity in my heart setting that watch and setting that guard help me O oh Lord to speak what needs to be said but to say it in love our speech ought to be filtered by the purity of God's presence Amen, that same tongue that that can bless, can curse, but it ought not be. James condemned that kind of behavior and he gave a great illustration again for common people to understand. He said you can no more have bitterness and guile coming from the same tongue than you can bitter and sweet water flowing from the same fountain. It just can't be. You see, something that we all have to understand is that male or female, young or old, we all have some measure of ego or pride, whatever you want to call it. We all have that to deal with. And we are inclined by nature to protect ourselves and our reputation. And if given the opportunity, the most righteous among us will tilt the table in our favor. Amen. Amen. You missed a great place to just shout and dance and all sorts of things right there. That's in us. We have to resist that. Amen. Not to tilt things in our favor because we live in such an image-driven world that we may not even be realizing that we're trying to protect our image ourselves. That just is the society in which we are living in. And so James addressed the contradiction of worldly wisdom. He says what seems to be acceptable and even wise according to our culture is not necessarily wise in the eyes of God as it's revealed in his word. And so what we really need is true wisdom and true wisdom can only come from God. But here's the key. In James 1 and 5 he said it is freely given to those who ask. And so this is not a secret that is reserved for just a few This is not a treasure chest that we've got to try to spend all of our lives finding. But he said, if you will ask, I'll give that to you. In reality, there are often conflicts in the church and and even within the body of Christ. And James identified the root cause of that as impure motives. We just don't have the right motive. I wonder, as it's been stated countless times, what could be done for God if we really didn't care who got the credit? striving to fulfill our own, our, our, our own desires often just leads to friction and, and our prayers really should be more inclusive of others. When Job remembered his friends, God turned that situation around in his life. And so I would suggest to you today that we have got to be focused on the needs of others and concerned more about their growth and what God could do and bless them. The result will be prevailing peace. Not long ago I was in a meeting and, and uh, there were, it was a, a meeting of pastors and we were in that meeting and, and I shared this and, and you could take this in the wrong way but if, because you weren't there but just trust me in this that the motives of the pastor that stood up and said this were as pure as the driven snow. He was not trying to bring attention to himself but we were talking about growing and talking about revival and talking about reaching people. And and he just stood up and very humbly he said that often uh, business, certain business takes him into another city. Uh, he has to go to another city to do business. And so he said, when I go into that city, he said, I drive into the parking lot of my neighboring Pastor. And he said I drive around their church around and around and around the building and I pray for God to send growth and I pray for God to send revival. I'm gonna tell you tears came up in my eyes and not came in my throat. I said oh God help us to realize the power. Amen, I wonder what would happen if we drove to our neighbor's house. Amen, and we parked outside and said dear God I'm asking you to bless them with a better job. Bless them with a better home. Bless them with a better car. Oh Lord anoint their church children to live for you, let the power of the Holy Ghost move in their heart my Lord, amen, not not me and myself and I not just me and mine and us four and no more, but I wonder what would happen if we just parked ourselves and said God I'm going to pray for this family today, I'm going to fast for them this week, I'm going to intercede for them this week, I'm going to add their children's name to my prayer list I'm going to add their names to my prayer list, I'm going to pray for their betterment I'm going to pray for their good, hallelujah Hallelujah! Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children, the children of God. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! They shall be called the children of God. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Oh, I don't do it often, but I have, I have, uh, in times past, through the years. I've walked through certain cemeteries, walked past certain headstones. And as family members, more than likely, friends and influencers in that family, sat down to decide what the parting words would be. We know it as an epitaph. What can we leave as a message that will tell total strangers the essence of the life lived by this individual? How can we best define the dash that separates the date of birth from the date of death? Some of them do a wonderful job of succinctly capturing the essence of that person. Amen. But can I tell you today that when we think about the greatest thing that could be ever said of us that we would be called a child of God. There is a real Christian. In the flames and in the turmoil of conflict they stood with their feet on the ground planted unmoved by the prevailing winds of conflict, they had the spirit of a peacemaker, they just knew how to step into a situation, we are not long past uh, the remembrance of 9-11, and uh, 2001, and so not, uh, not to, something that's been mentioned many, many times about our first responders is that while most people, and rightly so, while most people were running out of those buildings, there were teams of men and women that were suiting up to run in to those buildings. Can I tell you today, we need the power of the Holy Ghost to anoint us. We need a flame off the altar like Jeremiah had, a flame off the altar like like Isaiah had to touch our lips, to touch our minds and our spirits and when conflict arises let us run in not to join in the fray let us run in not to pick up bricks to throw ourselves let us run in not to stir up and fan the flame but let the spirit of a peacemaker just so baptize our mind and our heart God give us words to say that can bring peace to this situation hallelujah I'm going to ask our musicians to come if they will Amen. In order to have the spirit of a peacemaker, we've got to ask ourselves some serious questions. Amen. What are the essential elements for being a peacemaker? I believe that first and foremost, we should seek God's peace in our own lives. Because you cannot lead someone to a mountain you've never been to yourself, you can't fix someone else. If you have not been restored. Now that doesn't imply that someone with the spirit of being a peacemaker is perfect. No one's perfect. But how can we talk to others about peace when we constantly live in a state of turmoil? You have to first experience it before you can share it. In Matthew 12 and 34, Jesus said something very powerful. It is a very... It is. A very arresting scripture, in my opinion. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And we would all like a get out of jail free card here. And say, I know I said that, but I wasn't thinking. You may not have been thinking that as a conscious thought, but somewhere in the pool of our heart, something was there that did not belong something built up that just should not be there God help me to realize that this reservoir of my heart is where it's all going to come from I want to purge that I want to make sure this is clean And as God's peace comes into our life, then we can have something here that can flow into the life of someone else. Amen. Because what's flowing from us to them is flowing from the reservoir of something in us. And if we have peace, we're going to bring peace. If I've mentioned this already today, maybe it was the first service, just please forgive me, but I think we all know people, maybe even kin to people they just carry the spirit of confusion and they can come over for a visit and when they leave it just seems like a dust storm blew out of the house and you it's like no one's shouting but I see enough smiles and nods I don't think I'm here by myself By the same token, there are people in our lives that when we sit down with them, when they walk away from us, there's a fragrance, there's a peace, there is just something about them. They have such an aura about them, the anointing of the Lord, the presence of God. They're a peacemaker. Amen, I'm so thankful for those who have the ability to speak the truth in love, And bring right to wrong. Bring correction to error. And yet, there is such a wonderful spirit of restoration in the room. And we want to move in that direction. Let's stand, shall we? You see, in life and in relationships... We have to ask ourselves sometimes do we want to be right or we want to be happy? You know, some people have the idea win at all costs. They're going to die a lonely individual because they'll spend a lifetime pushing people away. I got to win. I got to win. I got to win no matter what. But can I tell you today that there's just some hills not worth dying on? It's just not worth it. I understand standing for right and standing for wrong, but I'm talking about generally most conflicts are just ego-driven, fleshly, selfishly driven. We want our way. And so I have to ask myself, Is this the time to resolve this? Or you see, sometimes you may be right and you may have the right thing to say, but what you have to say is gonna be out of season if you say it right now. This will keep. If you're really right, it'll keep. And when the air is clear, we can resolve that. Uh, you know, some people want to solve everything fists to cuffs. Just get some boxing gloves, go out in the yard, may the best man win. That's not always the answer. That's probably never the answer. There's a way through this. Then I will say this, and 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 I leave you with this: that if we're going to really be a peacemaker. And if we're really gonna have peace in our lives and if it's gonna be true and genuine, now please hear me. There's gonna be times in our lives that we're gonna have to be willing to endure an injustice. I was done wrong. Life didn't work out for me in this particular area. And so we have to make a decision. This can be now the defining moment of my life or this can just be a moment in my life. Amen. So will your injustice be a defining moment or will it just be a moment? I'm not going to be defined by the tragedy that happened. I'm not going to be defined by unfulfilled expectations. I'm not going to be defined by unanswered prayers or unfulfilled dreams. I'm not going to be defined by that. Maybe something happened to you in your life and you feel that it was just premature for that to happen. You can stop living, sir, right there in that moment and you can nurse that wound the rest of your life and let that define you from now on. Or you can say, you know what? I just join a list of statistics that I now am among people that have suffered this type of loss or that kind of failure of health or lost their job or lost their career or had their retirement taken from them the list could go on and on and on and include multiple things and we can say this is just going to be a moment in my life and not the defining moment because if I make this a defining moment, it's going to jade the fountain through which everything else flows and if I spoil the fountain through which it all flows, everything from here on is going to be tainted and so Lord, I'm just going to decide today that whatever unfulfilled expectation or whatever unfulfilled dream has come my way, that I'm just gonna let it go. My right to recovery, I'm just gonna let that go. Amen, and I'm just gonna say, Lord, I give this to you. I yield into your hand. Amen, I'm gonna say, Lord, it's you, and it's not me. Amen, you trusted me with this cross. You trusted me with this valley. You trusted me, you trusted me. And I'm going to put it in your hands. Can we worship the Lord? Amen. Let the Spirit of God touch us today. Jesus, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I praise you for the authority that we have felt in our... service.
0: This message has been brought to you today by the Media Ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.